Welcome to the Homeschool Show from North Carolinians for Home Education. Our goal is to help you homeschool with confidence and joy. I'm your host, Matthew McDill, and we welcome once again into the online studio, John Lewis. Hello. Matthew, I forgot we haven't done our dad jokes. I'm going to have to get some of those ready for the next time we do this. Yeah, you don't uh, have one for us today? I don't have one right now. I might think of one before we're done. Um, but have uh, you heard we'll of uh, the new the new sport called silent tennis? No, it, it's pretty much the same as tennis, but without the racket. <laughs> love it, love it. <laughs> oh goodness! So let's move on. We have we have a good show for you today. And first, we're going to talk about uh, homeschool news. We got a few things for you there. And then homeschool conversations. Matthew and Amanda had a talk about how to overcome homeschool challenges and what to think about government oversight. And that's an interesting topic for us to discuss. Uh, also, we're going to have homeschool helps with Amanda. She's going to talk about building a routine for your homeschool. So uh, first, let's discuss the homeschool news. Uh, this week, uh, the chess tournament is happening. It's in Kernersville on January 20th. And you can still sign up through January 17th while there's room. So make sure you check that out quickly. You can go to nche.com slash field trips. Also, we have announced our featured speaker lineup for the Thrive NC Conference. You can go to nche.com slash thrive to find and read about those speakers and then make sure you mark your calendars for May 23rd through 25th. Um, absolutely important and something that you should be a part of. If you have never come to the Thrive Conference and you are homeschooling or considering homeschooling in North Carolina, you need to show up at that. My wife and I have been um, virtually, let's see, Every year, except for uh, there was one year, I think, that we didn't have a conference um, or, or uh, mm-hmm. was maybe one or two right there during COVID. Yeah. During COVID, we missed one or two. Otherwise, we have been to every one of them since we started, since before we started homeschooling. And it has been an absolute joy. It's a great, great thing. So you need to sign up for that. That's right. And uh, as we've shared before, John, that's how we've stayed connected because uh, we hadn't seen each other for years and years after college uh, going to Appalachian State together. But then uh, I did the same thing. It was right before my first started going into school and we went to figure out what curriculum we were going to use. And uh, then we've been there every single year since. So it's a it's a real uh, blessing, something to definitely check out. Okay, now we'll move into yes. homeschool conversations. Uh, we have recorded um, a conversation that Amanda and, and and I had about a survey put on by homeschoolplus.com. And it's in a great article titled The Homeschool Movement Explained. And we were just going through the, the different uh, results of that survey, which were very interesting. And this part of the conversation is uh, where we talk about some of the challenges, the, 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 the challenges that people are expecting, uh, which are pretty accurate, but we respond to some of those. And it's really interesting to find out how many people believe that the government should be providing oversight for homeschooling. So let's check this out. Curriculum planning is Mm -hmm. a challenge. Mm -hmm. 
true. Also true. Time management, 35%. Yes. That is definitely a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, lack of access to resources and expertise, 33%. Hmm. Say that's a challenge. Yeah. We might argue with that one a little bit in the sense sure. of there are so many resources. Yes. Like more than we could possibly need. That is definitely true. And I hear and see so many people looking for um, free or low cost resources. Mm -hmm. Maybe I think there's more and more families where um, financial resources is a, is a challenge that they deal with, but, and they just don't know about the resources that are available. There's also a problem of a little too much information yeah, sometimes and so some of it resources. and it's hard to weed through yeah. and figure out what is correct what is good what is mm -hmm. incorrect information and all of that so i could see that that is a challenge but but we wouldn't say lack of access right so and this brings up a great point what people need is guidance which yes. is exactly what we try to do right is guidance for how do i navigate all of the resources, how do I pick a curriculum? And of course, this is when we want to say, go to nchg.com, look at the help section, watch Homeschool Helps with Amanda, mm -hmm. come to the conference. Absolutely. Go to the workshops that describe the different philosophies of home education, mm -hmm. the workshops that are given about how to choose a curriculum. Go to the vendor hall and talk to the providers. I mean, there's so many ways of navigating. That. It's so helpful, yeah, and I think the great thing about being able to go somewhere like nche.com is it's very broken down. It's not mm. so overwhelming as if you just Google yeah. homeschool resources or homeschool curriculum and you'll come up with a million results. And it, it does. It does get overwhelming because there's so many choices out there. But using a resource like our website or the conference or something like that that sort of breaks it down makes it less overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So another one is meeting legal requirements, 32%. Huh, okay. And we have to remember this is national, not in North Carolina. Right. Of course, we know that people are worried about that. Sure. Um, generally, again, what we're trying to do is say, you don't need to be worried about that. Meeting the requirements of homeschooling in North Carolina is super easy. And that's mm -hmm. why we have the resources online to explain those things to you. Mm -hmm. um, so you want to make sure that you understand it's it's very simple in North Carolina. It doesn't require a lot. We are one of the freer states. Yes. And so you want to check that out. And so you're not one of the 32% worried about it. That's right. As a challenge. <laughs> um, lack of structure and routine for 31% say that's a challenge. Sure. And I think that's true. It is true. I think sometimes... Well, when anytime the unknown is scary and you think, mm -hmm. how can I do this? You know, when your child is in a public school or a private school, that structure and routine is provided for them. And then if you bring them home, then that's on you. And that can be, yep. that can be scary. Yeah, it is. It's really it is. hard. And then at the bottom, it says 25% scheduling, which Absolutely. is kind of the same, the same thing. thing. How do I... Uh, have some kind of structure in our day and so right. um, and then 29% uh, say teaching difficult and boring subjects ah. is a challenge which is true that's true but going back to access to resources mm -hmm. there are so many helps out there 
for those different subjects. There are um, co-op classes where they could interact with a teacher that maybe is really passionate about that yeah. subject and that helps. Or an online course, like I am not a math girl, so I unapologetically have my kids do math, not with me, once they get to high school. I just yeah. farm it out, whether that's an online class, mm. which is what my high school is doing right now, or a co-op right. class. That's what I do. And there's a lot of resources out there. So even though it is a challenge, there's help. Right. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to scroll down here to parents' sentiments on state testing and homeschooling. Ooh. And I just have to prepare you. This is very disturbing. Okay. 73% believe homeschool students should be required to participate in state testing. Wow. Now, we are uh, a state that does require testing every year. Yes. A, a lot of other states don't require that. So sure. we're unique, somewhat unique in that way. There are some. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason that's in our law is because it was actually a concession right. on our part because uh, we were helping, um, NCAG was helping establish um, a, a fresh version of the homeschool law. This was a concession so that we could get the other parts that we wanted. We didn't suggest that the state should need to be able to do that. Definitely not. And this is worse. 83% believe the government should mandate homeschool subjects. I am shocked by that. <laughs> I really am. Interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and there's, there's two reasons we would react to that. Mm. One is because we would think that people who would consider homeschooling would also have a mindset that is less institutionalized, right. um, a little more reliant on the parents are able to do this. Yeah. Uh, our worldview is important. We don't want the state telling us. But, are, but again, the whole religious and worldview issue was at the bottom of motivations now. That's true. So we have a completely right. different generation of homeschoolers who have different reasons for doing it. Yes. And so That's maybe true. they have a different worldview. I guess so. They have a different worldview than me. For sure. <laughs> and me also, even, even if I, of course, this is maybe different than when I first started homeschooling 19 years ago. But even if I remove the religious motivation mm -hmm. out of our homeschooling, I am still enough of a, I don't know what the word is, free thinker, maybe rebel. I don't know what, yeah. what the word is that I really, even if I was homeschooling for completely non-religious reasons, I still wouldn't want the government involved in my yeah. homeschool. I still would want it to be just me. I'm, I'm in charge. Decisions. I make those decisions for my own kids. Yeah. yeah. That's so right. that's interesting to me. Huh? All right. Well, I think this is very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, it's encouraging to know that a lot of people are interested. For sure. And we're here, again, to continue to help you homeschool with confidence and joy if you choose to do that. Um, I think it's pretty reflective. I think it helps us know what people are worried about yes. that we can help them with and people are worried about that they shouldn't be worried about. Exactly. And I think it also points out that we, not only from the government and not only from um, public school or other um, perspectives, we are having a new generation of homeschoolers who are willing for the government to dictate what they do. Right. And so um, 
we we would be concerned about that and mm -hmm. um, we want you to know that protecting homeschool freedom is one of our values and one part of our mission and we're going to continue uh, to do that so that um, the focus is on the parents having the responsibility and authority uh, to determine the scope and sequence of their children's education. Absolutely right. Yeah. All right, John, were you uh, surprised by those statistics uh, as Amanda was? Uh, some of them. Um, uh, most of them, I think, are, are kind of to be expected uh, to some degree because they, they resonate with what we struggled with when we began to sure. consider homeschooling. You know, um, I do think that um, you guys talked about with regards to the statistic about um, access to resources and expertise, uh, you mentioned that people need guidance. Um, this is one of the reasons why the Thrive Conference is so important for people, mm -hmm. whether you're in homeschooling or considering it, it, is that conference is an opportunity for you to connect with people, for you to get ideas about philosophy of approach uh, to, to check out resources at the vendor hall, all that sort of thing. Uh, I think the real surprising um, statistics of that survey, of course, were the number of people who are welcoming government oversight or government mandate of um, mm. subjects, uh, 83%. Yeah. Um, now, that's partly... It, it is surprising, um, but at the same time, we know we have a new generation of, of homeschoolers coming in, um, new generations with, with different perspectives. And that's why I think it's really important. Uh, like we looked at last week, you know, Brian Ray is talking about what's the biblical foundation for homeschooling. Why do Christians yeah. choose to homeschool? Now, there are a lot of people who aren't homeschooling for biblical or Christian reasons, which is fine. But those of us who are need to think deeply about that. And one of the reasons, of course, as we've talked about, is we want our kids uh, to be able to learn how to follow Christ and learn from a biblical worldview. That's part of the bigger picture. And if we get into a situation where the government is telling us what we can and cannot teach, um, I feel pretty sure that's not going to be on the list. You know? Yeah. Well, I think that the whole discussion about um, mandating subjects is really dangerous. Uh, because, you know, I was a, some of our listeners know this. I was a high school teacher for about 10 years. My wife taught high school as well. Um, but part of the beauty and the, 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 one of the greatest strengths of the homeschooling movement is the ability to craft your educational plan, um, mm -hmm. for the, for the needs and the interests and the personality of, of your, right. your kid. And exactly. because every kid's different and God has created them differently for different purposes and takes them different directions. They have different interests. And so, um, you know, to think to think that homeschoolers would want the government to mandate the subjects m means that to me, that sounds like. You might as well just get their their gov the government's curriculum and uh, do school at mm -hmm. home over Zoom again, you know? Yeah. As we look at new generations and how they view um, politics has an important impact here. 
and even more deep is how do they view government and jurisdictional mm-hmm. questions of who's responsible for what. And as I said, going back to that question of who's responsible for education, that is a really big question. But growing up yeah. through generations now of public school and a comprehensive mm-hmm. national home, uh, educational policy, it's pretty clear for most people that it's like, well, the government's responsible for it. I mean, that's an accepted uh Conclusion, the government is responsible for educating yeah. the kids. And that's that's amazing. Uh, and I think that is the exact uh, policy or the exact assumption that we are willing to question. And uh, you can yes. do that from a political standpoint, but more importantly, you can do that from a biblical standpoint and say, well, we believe that parents are the ones who are responsible. And uh, that's what we want to continue to fight for. Welcome to Homeschool Helps with Amanda. I'm Amanda Wares, Homeschool Helps Director with NCHE. Today we are going to be talking about developing a routine in your homeschool. So when I first started homeschooling um, a lot of years ago, 19 years ago now, I had a nine-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. And a routine was absolutely necessary in our lives at that point just to get through every day. So I haven't shared this in a while. Um, I thought I would talk about how I developed a routine for our days at that point with all kind of little kids and what that looks like now in my house with three grown and gone and just one teenager left at home. And it looks very different. So when I had all little kids at home and I was just getting started with homeschooling, um, I like to call it, I called it my three ring circus approach because I had three kids. Um, and what I found was if I could start our day, I would get the oldest going on something she could do independently, you know, maybe, uh, math lesson or a spelling worksheet or something like that, something or reading, something she could do on her own. And then I would focus on the littlest one and fill her attention cup um, as much as I could. We would do something together, whatever that looked like, um, playing with something or even the two, my two-year-old at that point, she wanted to do learning activities. She was like a little sponge and was hungry to learn all the things. So we would do some kind of learning activity or something she really loved to do. And I found that even if I could spend, you know, 15 or 20 minutes of focused time with the littlest one, then I could send her to play on her own or put her in the high chair and give her something to do. And she would be just fine to do that and not as demanding of my attention while I shifted my focus then to the second ring of the three ring circus, the four-year-old. And I would spend some focused time with him as well. And then I would send him and the two-year-old to go play together. They would go and do something or I would set up some kind of activity for them to do. 
so that I could then focus on the one-on-one -on -one things that I needed to do with the nine-year-old, what she needed my time for at that point. And then after that, um, it was not as difficult once I had sort of filled the cups of the little ones one by one by one, then we could all sit together. I could read to them. We would do our read alouds. We would make lunch and all of that. And then it just helped our day flow from there. Um, I also was almost um, rigid. I'm not a very type A rigid kind of person, but I was at that point in my life very routine oriented because with all little kids, I had to have a routine or we would not get through the day. So we very much had, you know, this is when we make breakfast. This is when I spend time with the two-year-old. This is when I do the four-year-old. This is when I move on to the nine-year-old. And then we would, you know, like I said, read aloud and then we would make lunch and have that. And then we would have a quiet time where everybody would rest or nap if they napped at that point. Um, so I think it's really important if you're whatever stage of life you're in, your routine might look a little bit different, but I think it's really helpful in our homeschool days to have some sort of routine. Now, is there flexibility within the routine? Of course there is. And there were times when it was such a blessing, like my mother um, injured, broke her leg, and it was a blessing to be able to pack up and go and help grandma, you know, um, there's always opportunities. And so it's okay to not be so rigid with the routine that you will um, refuse to let those opportunities of ministry or helping someone else out um, interrupt your routine. But I found day in and day out, it was really helpful to have that routine. Now, at this point in our life, I just have one child at home. He is 14. Our routine looks very different than it did when I had all little kids. And we're a lot more flexible, a lot more, um, our days look very different than they did, but we still have kind of a routine of what we do. You know, um, we know what to expect when we get up in the morning. And that's really helpful. So I hope that helps you as well, whether you have all little kids at home or whether you're in the stage that I am with maybe just a high schooler left. Either way, routine can be your friend, even if you are a not type A person, because I am that. So I really hope this helps today. Well, we want to thank you once again for joining us this week. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So if you would send your questions and your comments, your feedback to the homeschool show at nche.com and make sure to tell other people about it. Share this podcast so that uh, you can share the, uh, the resources and help with other homeschool families. Until next week, continue to homeschool with confidence and joy.